Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. How's everyone doing today? I'm really excited to be here to talk about the 49ers. Of course, minicamp was canceled for today, so minicamp ended a little bit early, and it appears the 49ers offseason, as far as OTAs go, uh, is is done. So uh, that is something that's going to be, you know, something to watch here in the in the future because, um, you know, the 49ers have, have went ahead and re- removed uh, mini camp and ended slowed down things for a while. So uh, that's something that, you know, I think that we're all going to watch. And what's up, Kylie? How's it going? Welcome to chat and uh, welcome Jess as well. Um, so the 49ers are are looking, you know, to go ahead and, and kick off the offseason and get this gap between mini camp and training camp going. So I'm really excited about this potential of the 49ers getting healthy and the fact that they've stayed healthy primarily the entire offseason this year is different from many other offseasons that we've had recently under Kyle Shanahan. So right now the 49ers are are looking to move and and looking for that, you know, transition point to training camp. I'm excited about the potential of training camp and what it can mean. And I'm ready to go over some of those things today, uh, but it's a Q&A. So if you have any questions, go ahead and populate chat with all your questions, and I will do my best to answer every single one of them. I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm just looking to have the conversation. So go ahead and start populating chat with questions if you have them. If not, I'm just going to continue to talk about the 49ers offseason and some of the things that are going to be coming up because uh, it's very important for the 49ers, you know, to continue on the path that they've done. And one of the things that has been, you know, a real issue is what is coming up next, you know, for the 49ers. And um, what's coming up next for the 49ers is 
that we're going to have some players that are going to come up. There's going to be some things that need to be discussed, whether that is, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, if he's going to be moving on, or if that is Debo Samuel getting his contract extension, those are things that are coming up. But really, the next big thing that's coming up is training camp. Training camp will happen at the end of July, and that will lead us into the preseason games. Uh, so like uh, Paul said in chat, 51 days um we're getting really close you know 51 days off until training camp then there's going to be a, some excitement i'm looking forward to to getting out the training camp and watching practice i had such a good time last year being able to break down all the players and being in that atmosphere and seeing how the coaches and players were operating it was a lot of fun so i'm really really excited about training camp coming up and 51 days is a long time you know 51 days a ken norton jr away from training camp and along the way there's going to be a little bit of things that happen but really that's the next big target is is training camp now in the midst of that before training camp happens though um there are going to be some players you know there's going to be some conversation about some of these players and the biggest one that's probably going to be uh going to be discussed is going to be jimmy garoppolo uh jimmy garoppolo is somebody that the 49ers need to deal with overall because Jimmy Garoppolo's contract is not going to be on the books, and there's questions about that money. But there's also questions about what will happen to that locker room if Jimmy Garoppolo is still here when training camp starts. And I think that is a big, a big wonder. You know, everyone's just wondering what's going to happen in this locker room. We know he's well respected, so I'm, I'm just wondering what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo. And Lou, welcome to chat. And Lou says, look at the, look at it this way: injuries aren't an issue yet. Well, except Gray, uh, his hammy going to be an issue all year. I think the fact that they shut down Gray when they did, I think they're ahead of the game. I don't think there's a lot of concern about that hammy, but this happens a lot of time with receivers, especially during the off season and especially receivers that are coming from college because they're getting more reps than they've got. That's why the 49ers have 12 receivers on the roster. Now, not all 12 of those guys were showing up to OTAs. Of course, we know Debo Samuel wasn't there. Uh, that's one for sure. So they're not getting all those reps. It's a little bit different. And that's why when you get into training camp, you need 90 men rosters and why the NFL is going with small cuts. You cut from 90 to 85, then from 85 to 80, because you need all those players to be able to not only get through those games while resting you know, your players, but also to get through practices. There's so much that goes into practice, whether it's it's the individual reps or the team reps, that players need rest. I mean, they're still, even though they come in in tremendous shape, they've got to get their bodies into football shape. they got to go through that grind again, and, and training camp is that preparation for what's going to happen in the game. So I think that that is something to keep an eye on. So we're going to, of course, they're going to limit Danny Gray. I'm sure they'll watch him and watch his reps at the early part of training camp. But now he's going to have 51 days to go get go get healthy. He's going to be working with training staff because when you're injured, you know, you, you stay in the facility until you're not. So I think there's going to be a lot of things that happen with Danny Gray, but I fully expect him when we get to training camp to be a full go. So I'm not really concerned about that. And luckily, Lou, like you said, only one injury per se right now. And that's a good sign. So hopefully the 49ers players stay healthy over the next 51 days. So we, we get to training camp. Everything's ready to go. And uh, what is up, Robert? How's it going? Uh, welcome to chat. This is I'm really excited about this episode. And, and we're talking about Jimmy G. Uh, we talked a little bit right now about the injuries and Danny Gray, but uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and the fact that Jimmy's still going to get moved. And that's something that we were going to keep an eye on because at the end of the month, 
is potentially when Jimmy Garoppolo could get cleared, his shoulder could get cleared, he could start throwing the football again, and that's when he goes onto the radar of these other teams who are waiting to see what Jimmy Garoppolo can do and how the shoulder is looking. And I think that's the first time that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are actually considering moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo at a full capacity because once he's cleared by doctors, you don't have to worry about any of the salary cap implications in case you cut him and he goes somewhere else. You can cut him and not really have to incur any losses. Uh, so I think that the 49ers are waiting for that. And when that happens, that will get the ball rolling on the, the remainder of the offseason, getting Jimmy Garoppolo either you know, moved or traded or cut, whatever it is, uh, they'll address Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think one of the craziest things could be if Jimmy Garoppolo actually stays in the facility and is at training camp. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is a very good guy. I think he was a, a good quarterback for the 49ers, but I see him as a potential distraction to Trey Lance uh, because of all the questions that are going to come from the media. And once it'll be scrutinized, you know, which players are taking the most reps? Is Jimmy Garoppolo taking away from Trey Lance's reps? There's just going to be way too many conversation points there for Kyle Shannon and, and for Trey Lance that I don't want Trey to have to deal with that in his first season as quarterback one. I want him to be able to answer the normal questions that he should be dealing with. So I'm I'm wondering if that's a good idea to bring Jimmy Garoppolo in. I mean, if if you took out the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo has that much respect in, in the locker room and the way that everything uh, has happened over the last couple of years. I think if you if it was just a quarterback from a quarterback standpoint on the field, Jimmy Garoppolo would be a really, really nice backup for Trey Lance. He understands the offense. I mean, he could play at a high level, a quarterback that has shown he can help get a team to a Super Bowl. So, I mean, in that regard, he'd be wonderful. The problem is it's the all the other stuff that comes along with it, right? It's that effect, and it's not so much Jimmy's fault as it is just the way things work. And I, I think that there would be a lot of people that would push for Jimmy Garoppolo to take over the first time that Trey Lance struggled, and Trey Lance doesn't need that. He needs to be able to feel free to go ahead and, and make mistakes and, and move on. So um, uh, Paul says, due to current events, there may be another spot in Cleveland that is true. There could be. Uh, and Marvin Rose says, come come on, Paul. You mean Deshaun sits a year and next year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. There's, a, there's so much stuff up in the air. We know Cleveland prepared his contract to be able to withstand this season for sure. Uh, they, they kept Baker Mayfield. They did not move on from him. And Deshaun Watson's cap number is ridiculously low. So if it's one year, I think Cleveland's prepared potentially to hold on to that. We'll see what happens. Uh, and then after that, you wonder if you know they need to make a move. But Baker Mayfield is not making it easy on the Cleveland Browns. I believe he wants to be out of there. He doesn't want to be a lame duck quarterback. I don't think anyone really wants to be a lame duck quarterback. So uh, there's going to be some questions there. And uh, we'll see what happens. Because if Deshaun Watson is, is indeed suspended... Uh, and they do release Baker Mayfield, then yes, Cleveland would be a huge landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo uh, would fit what Stefanski wants to do there in Cleveland. I mean, they could plug and play him. He's a guy that would automatically get the respect of the locker room. He's on a one-year deal because he's only got one year left on his contract. To me, that makes a lot of sense. And if you're moving on from Baker Mayfield's $18 million no matter how they work that out, potentially they could work out a deal with Jimmy Garoppolo to get him in. So I think at that point, the 49ers would become a trade target uh, for the Cleveland Browns if Baker decided that he didn't want to show up, he didn't want to play for them, and they do lose Deshaun Watson to the suspension. 
Uh, let, let's see what we got going here. Lou says, if Moore beats out Brunskill at guard, do you see a moving Brendel who's getting great praise out of the center spot? Uh, it comes down to best player. You know, best player plays. So Daniel Brunskill losing to Jalen Moore doesn't mean he's going to ultimately be the starting center for the 49ers. He would have to, in turn, beat out Jake Brendel. And if Brunskill gets in, entwined in a huge battle at guard, that means they're invested in, in Daniel Brunskill playing guard and center's not an actual option. So I, I think in that regard, it would be if he lost to Moore, then he would be more in potential to be a swing tackle because of the ability he has to play all five positions along the offensive line. Daniel Brunskill's value is in his versatility, and he's a very versatile player. So I think that when it comes down to it, I think the 49ers would love for Moore to beat out Brunskill. They would love for, you know, Brendel to be able to play at a high level because if they do, they get this offensive line could be ready to roll. Uh, we've had some things that happen at other positions, but when it comes down to it, this offensive line needs to gel. So I don't think they're going to make a last move, right? So if Jalen Moore beats out Brunskill late, they're not going to want to throw Brunskill into the center spot and throw things off. Uh, so I, I think that's something that, you know, potentially the 49ers can continue to work on with his offensive line. But uh, Moore is a is a guy, you know, that could definitely get it done. So I'm I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. And uh, we got some more questions here uh, from Marvin Rose. Why should Baker give them a break? They did not give him a break. It was business after all. Yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, I think you're right, Marvin. Yeah, I don't think he's going to give them a break, you know, and when it comes down to it, they decided that he wasn't the answer there. And uh, so they went ahead and moved on, you know, and they and they moved on with Deshaun Watson. They took a big risk. And now that risk may not pay off for them because Deshaun Watson could be gone for a year. He could be gone for two years. You just never know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Um, so I'm I'm curious where they end up going with this uh, and how this thing shakes out and what implications that means for the 49ers or for Jimmy Garoppolo, because Jimmy Garoppolo would then be the, you know, kind of the one that everyone's looking for. Carolina may want him still, the New York Giants, and then the Cleveland Browns in the scenario that's been laid out. So I think that that's something that could uh, still happen, but we'll see. And 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 I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to do the Cleveland Browns any favors at all. Uh, David Hasselhoff says, who starts at right tackle at the beginning of the year? I think it's going to be Mike McGlinchey. I really do. I think Mike McGlinchey's ahead of schedule. I think the way the 49ers have operated this offseason, uh, the continued transition of Jalen Moore to the interior to play the guard spot, uh, also the you know the young guys taking snaps at the guard spot, no conversation about uh, Daniel Brunskill moving out to tackle or Justin Skule taking over. I think it's. I think it really is um, going to be Mike McGlinchey. I think he's going to be ready to roll and he's going to slide in there at right tackle and. I think that the questions right now in the 49ers offensive line room are the center, which appear to be Jake Brendel having the lead, you know, having the lead. And then the the Moore versus Brunskill battle at right guard. I think those are the most realistic things that are happening along the line. And I, I think the line is going to shake out a little bit over camp. I think there's going to be some big time decisions that need to be made. These guys are going to go out there and battle. And all the while, the 49ers threw a couple of different wrinkles in there because Nick Zakel and, and Spencer Burford are going to be able to come in there and battle as well. Not to mention you had Justin Skule come back from injury, and we know Colton McKivitz is one of those guys that continues to battle. So I'm I'm very curious about it. And David did bring up uh, Burford. I like Burford a lot. I, I really do. I think Spencer Burford is one of those guys that has potential to start. I just I hear what uh, the 49ers brass are saying about Jalen Moore, and I wonder if Burford's going to have to wait a year. 
Uh, and Burford may have to, you know, maybe maybe ready to go this year. And if he is, that's great. If not, he's a guy that could step in next year. Potentially, him or Jalen Moore could fill that right tackle job if they decide to move on from Mike McGlinchey because McGlinchey's ten point eight million dollars uh, this year from his fifth year option is very nice. It's a nice fee for a a right tackle in this league. Next year to re-sign him to an extension, it would cost a lot more money. I don't know if the 49ers are willing to do that. I don't know if they're willing to you know, pay a right tackle that much money. We do know they value a right tackle a lot more than they you know, value guards on the interior. And if they're hitting on a center, one of these centers work out, a Brendel or Zakel or Donovan West on at center, if one of those guys ends up working out, then you save a lot of money on the offensive line. You may be able to pay a right tackle. Uh, David Hasselhoff says, who was pay, uh, playing at right tackle during camp? Um, from everything I heard right now, Justin Skule was the one that was taking snaps at right tackle. Uh, Justin Skule that, that was the one showing up because we know Mike McGlinchey's out. Daniel Brunskill's dealing with knee tendonitis. Uh, Colton McKivitz is, was playing a lot of left tackle, and then they had him playing some uh, guard as well. So right now, that's how it's been going. It's been Justin Skule. I think Colton McKivitz will get a run at right tackle as well if they believe Mike McGlinchey wasn't going to be able to go. But they've really moved Zakel and and Burford to the inside. So I think that, you know, right now those guys are interior offensive linemen. They're working on their adjustment to playing on the interior because I think the 49ers think they have the answers already at tackle. And, and yeah, I do appreciate uh, Marvin bringing up, giving up, giving the thumbs up. I really would thank anyone and appreciate anyone that gives uh, likes because I, I, I'm I'm very appreciative of everything and everyone that's in chat. So thanks so much. Uh, David Hassel said, I think school is starting the season. It could be just in school. Uh, if, if for some reason Mike McGlinchey isn't ready to go, I would think that to me, it could be just in school. I think Colton McKevitz would be an option. And then depending on how close the battle is between Jalen Moore and Daniel Brunskill, uh, moving Daniel Brunskill to right tackle could be an option. We know that during the 2019 season, Skule struggled a little bit at times, and when he did, their answer was Daniel Brunskill because one of the tackles who was out, because both Staley and McGlinchey were out at the same time, when one of the tackles came back, uh, that was when it uh, it moved. So right now, you're going to have that potential of one of those guys playing that position, and that's part of the flexibility the 49ers have, having so many guys that can play a bunch of different positions you know, on this team. So I I, I do like Skule. Uh, he's coming back from an injury, so I want to see how he handles himself. And then I want to see how, you know, how he's improved from, you know, 20, 2019 to 2020. It's really not fair because we haven't seen him in a long time. Um, so I'm not going to say anything negative about him. I only know what I've seen so far. So I am curious to see what he looks like when we get to training camp, because I think, you know, Justin Skule has some potential. Colton McKivitz have potential. And so do these young guys. It's going to be an absolute battle uh, to see what happens. I I'm excited for it. Lou says, what does a right tackle that run blocks good and a mediocre at pass protection going to cost? Uh, potentially a lot, because a lot of the right tackles struggle in pass protection. That's the reason they're playing right tackle. If they're really good at pass protection, they'd be playing left tackle. But when you're getting a guy that run blocks at the level that Mike McGlinchey does, uh, he's elite level run blocker in this league. So when you do something elite, somebody's willing to pay you. So it, you're worth whatever somebody's willing to pay you. So... I think you know you know that he's got some struggles, of course, uh, with the pass blocking. And uh, Lou is saying he wouldn't pay more than $10 million. I'm telling you, Mike McGlinchey is worth more than $10 million on the open market. I would say I wouldn't be shocked if he's not worth $15 million on the open market. So I think he's due for a raise because of the potential of him playing 
you know, uh, in the run game. He's so good in the run game. The pass game is one of those things you worry about. But a team like Miami or a team like uh, the Jets that run the same system know the value of a run game and know the value of Mike McGlinchey playing in their system. So they might be willing to overpay. They were willing to overpay for Lakin Tomlinson. They might be willing to overpay for uh, Mike McGlinchey as well. And it could be as simple as the 49ers just decide they do not want to go that route. They don't want to go with Mike McGlinchey. They don't want to have him playing right tackle. They'd like to go with a cheaper option. That's definitely something that they could do. So all the while, I'm, I'm yeah, David Hassel says Lane Johnson is elite at both. You're right. Lane Johnson is elite at both. There's not very many Lane Johnsons in this league, though. Uh, there's not very many guys that are still playing right tackle that are elite. They usually play on the left side. They usually move over. I mean, that this is one of those things that, that players actually go for. They want to move over. Uh, because there's more money in playing left tackle than there is playing on right tackle. David Villa says, what's up, Ant? Bang, bang, Natter gang. Great show. Thanks, David Villa. I really appreciate it. How's it going? I hope you're having a good Thursday. The 49ers have wrapped up OTAs and uh, mini camp. Potentially, they're done for the for the offseason. I'm guessing they're going to have some rookies in, maybe to do a little bit of work next week. We'll see if we get any word on that. And then they're going to close up, and they're going to be gone for 51 days, as Paul brought up in chat. And they're going to be back for training camp, and I think that's going to be um, – uh, something fun to watch so we'll we'll see how that goes um but we were talking about jimmy g earlier and jimmy g is one of those guys that's still going to come off the board but one another guy that's going to come off the board uh potentially a decision is going to be made about debo samuel and with a framework that was done yesterday with cooper cup some of the things that happened with aj brown already this year and potentially dk metcalf getting a deal too i think that there's the potential that Debo Samuel's contract is closer than we thought. Uh, he he went ahead and, and moved on from his current contract negotiators, and he's got a new team working for him now, according to KM, uh, KMBR. Uh, and so that's, and that's the Papa and Lund show. So they're the ones that are saying it. Potentially that could be happening. And what's up, Brad? Welcome to chat. Uh, so Debo's contract could be closer than ever to be getting done. So I'm excited about that potential. We know the 49ers uh, brand is to get guys done right before training camp. You know, George Kittle, Fred Warner, and I think Debo Samuel will be no different. They'll go ahead and, and get this guy under contract at some point. I think Kyle Shanahan's going to work for it. I think John Lynch is working for it. And Debo showing up to mini camps was a, a nice show of faith. So I'm excited about the potential of Debo getting this deal done. And you've got Debo Samuel and Jimmy that need to get done potentially before training camp. And I think that would make 49ers training camp a little bit easier to deal with. Uh, so so we'll see what happens with it. But I think that's something that's going to happen along the way. I'm hoping it happens before we get to training camp so we don't have to incur any of the, the talk about Debo Samuel not showing up, possibly sitting out, or even the fact that Debo Samuel, you know, maybe doesn't want to practice or isn't invested in you know, in what's happening in San Francisco. Uh, I think he will be. I think he would play under the contract that he's under right now, but he doesn't want to. So we'll see what happens with Debo Samuel. But that's another thing that's going to happen, you know, during this offseason is we're going to get closer and closer uh, to Debo Samuel um, potentially being under contract. Eric Howard says, Miami wouldn't want Mike McGlinchey because that's Tua's blindside. You could be right. I mean, that that could be something that uh, is, is a good point, Eric. So I'll give you a, a tip of the cap on that. My question to you, though, is next year will Tua be the quarterback? Uh, we know that this year, you know, M Mike McDaniel went in there with the belief that he's going to try to turn Tua into a quarterback. But if he can't do it for Mike McDaniel, 
then there's going to be a change at quarterback. So it, it could change things up a little bit, but that's a good point. A left-handed quarterback there in Miami with two attack of Iloa, uh, potentially that's something that's, you know, that's different. Uh, Thomas says, hey, guys, really enjoy talking 49ers with real fans. Yeah, I mean, that's a cool thing, too. Everyone in chat is fantastic. These guys really know what they're talking about. And girls, uh, everyone knows what's going on in 49ers land. It's a really good chat. So I'm I'm definitely uh, always excited to get in here, especially when we do Q&As. I like hearing everyone's opinion. Uh, Brad says, Kyle must really be happy with the squad. If he said, like, last year, he liked the guys getting 40 days off before training camp. He's given them 51 this year. Yeah, I think it's smart. You know, I really do. He, uh, Kyle Shanahan is one of those guys that's done a very good job of understanding, you know, what the body needs. And the trainers for the 49ers staff, they've been continually working on plans, giving guys rest days that they call maintenance days to make sure that these guys stay healthy. One thing to take into consideration is we heard all the things that were going on, um, you know, with the with the 49ers as far as, you know, all the players were consistent in talking about how they played 20 games. So the 20 games is 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 really one thing that he probably took into consideration. A long season means it might be a good idea to give the players a little bit of a longer off season. He trusts these guys to go out there and work, but when it comes down to it, there's no need for them to be in the facility kind of going through the motions. That's kind of what happens. Uh, so... I think that that's one thing that the 49ers are doing right now, and Kyle Shanahan knows that 11 extra days for these guys uh, could put them in a good frame of mind and help them get a little bit healthier, you know, coming off that big, long stretch last year. Even Kyle Juszczyk talked about the fact, you know, that that he struggled a little bit, you know, with playing the extra wildcard game. So uh, there you go. So I, I'm I'm really excited about it. And, and Robert's having some fun in chat. Uh, what is up, Robert? I hope you're... Uh, really enjoying yourself. So, I mean, and then Brad said, wait, did Debo move on from Tory Dandy as his agent? I'm not sure if it was Tory Dandy. I, I do know that there have been some changes there. It was uh, Papa and Lund that were talking about it on KNBR, and they talked about the fact uh, that he is going to go ahead and, you know, discuss, uh, or he has other guys that are going to discuss his contract with the 49ers front office. So there are some things that are being done there. And I didn't get the full gist of everything that was going on. I kind of got the the you know the notes or whatever. Um, so I'm just wondering right now. But that is the case. He's he's definitely looking to move, you know, in a direction that is going to get this thing resolved. Uh, I think that's a good move for him because I think he looked over and saw DK Metcalf, you know, not showing up to to mini camps. DK's not there. DK's of course rehabbing his injury. But the fact that he's not there is a little bit of a different way to handle his business. And I'm not sure Debo Samuel wanted to go about it that way. You know, he talked about the fact, or Kyle Shanahan talked about their relationship. Potentially the relationship he has with Kyle Shanahan meant that he was going to show up. So I think that that is, is something that Debo's done, and he's working towards a resolution. I think the 49ers appreciate that. And I think they're working on a resolution as well. At some point, they're going to get Debo paid. At some point, they're going to come to an agreement because Debo... The 49ers need him, and he knows he needs the 49ers to reach his full potential. Could he be a good receiver somewhere else? Absolutely. Can he be a great receiver with Kyle Shanahan running the system like he runs it, the you know the run after the catchability and the big, young, strong-armed quarterback that's going to be coming up? I think he understands what's best for him, and that's why this thing's going to work. They're going to make it happen. So I'm excited about the potential of these guys you know, working it out. And there's other questions along the way. Um, and one of those questions is at the center position. I mean, we've we've been talking about this for a while. And 
<laughs> Robert says, I feel like the spirit of Alex is with you. Yeah, of course. Always right here in the empty chair next to me. Uh, his spirit is there. Uh, so when it comes down to it, um, you know, we got the questions about center and, and Henny Two Turns his love ants hat game never lets us down. Thanks so much, Henny Two Turn. Uh, yeah, you know, I I went on the old draft hat this time. I, I was going that way. I almost went with the Camel 49er one. I, I feel like that's going to be coming up here in the next few days. I really like that one. So I've been adding a little bit to the to the group, and I'm going to have to add even more hats. So I, I'm glad you like it. Uh, and Lou says, I, one refreshing thing I saw was Bosa interview. He's here working hard and handles contract questions thrown at him. Yeah, I thought that Nick Bosa handled everything like a professional. When it comes down to it, that guy knows, you know, how to do how to do the things that he's doing. I'm I'm really excited about Nick Bosa. I like the things that he said about a lot of the players, but you can just see his body. I mean, this guy hasn't missed a single opportunity to get himself better. He knows what's coming up in the future. He knows having a big year this year, what it would mean, you know, for him being able to create sacks uh, and then get a big time contract. So I'm I'm really I'm really looking forward to what Nick Bosa does this year because last year he came off an ACL and had 15 and a half sacks. And when you're coming through that, when you're trying to get get over an injury like that, you're not preparing the same way you would if you were healthy. Your all your focus is on getting that one part of your body back on track, you know, getting back to being able to feel things normally. And I think that him making it through the full season was nice. He ended up getting full reps. You know, towards the end of the year, that's a great sign. The, he said the ACL felt fantastic. He felt like it, it did before the injury ever even happened. That means he's had an entire offseason to get better, to, to improve his game. And that's what we want. That I, I kind of threw this out there yesterday. I was having some fun with Alex. But I said 23 sacks. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Nick Bosa got there. That's eight sacks more or about seven and a half sacks more than he got last year. I think that's within range. I think definitely that's something that Nick Bosa could do. And I think when that happens, like Lou said in chat, $35 million, he could definitely lock that up. Uh, but I think Nick Bosa could have that kind of year because the 49ers rotation on the defensive line is going to be so impressive. And I think there's just going to be times where you can't double team him. There's times when you can't chip him. And that's when those happen, he's going to capitalize on them. And then Thomas says, uh, love being a part of this. I'm a diehard fan since 1980, living in KC. Uh, well done, 1980. Um, right in the middle, you know, the dynasty is beginning. Uh, Thomas is is coming in as the 49ers go through the nice run of the 80s. Uh, that's a good time. That's a good time to be able to watch, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, really good 49er games in the 80s. It produced some of the real great ones, including the early 90s. So, uh, nice, Thomas. I, I I love the fact that when we get on here and we start talking to, you know, everyone in chat, you have different ages. You know, everyone that's, you know, was, was watching when they were at Keysar. They watched that Candlestick. They watched at Levi's. You know, they've watched the entire time in this organization from the 50s all the way on. Uh, we know they started in the 40s, but all the way on. And I think that's what's one of the cool things about the 49ers um, fan base is everyone gets along. It's a nice community and everyone has really good conversations so I'm always excited to get in here and hear the different perspectives because I feel like everyone from every era has a different perspective on 49ers football. And so it's really fun to talk about all those. And Robert Aguilar says, this D-line is going to feast this year. I really do think so as well. I mean, there's just so much talent everywhere along this defensive line. I mean, they haven't missed a spot. 
you do have, you know, a couple questions here and there, of course. You know, you have, can Ken Law stay healthy? Because if he can, he's going to go out there and he's going to handle business and dominate because he's got the physical gifts. And we've seen it in short spurts. We've seen him be able to stop the run. I don't know if he'll be able to get after the passer like we're hoping. He's not Buckner when it comes to getting after the passer, but he doesn't have to be. With the guys that they have on the outside and with Eric Armstead playing on the inside, the pass rush ability is there already. What he needs to do is occupy double teams, you know, not give up ground and stop the run. And then when the opportunity strikes, absolutely collapse the pocket on top of a quarterback. If he does that, then this defense is going to take the next step because the guys on the outside are absolutely ridiculously good. You know, from Samson Ebicom getting better and better as the season went on, you know, to them adding Kamoko Ture to an already stacked group where Jordan Willis and Charles Amini, who have a ton of flexibility to play on the outside and inside. And we saw the 49ers going with rotations where those two guys were featured on the outside. Now with Arden Key gone, one of those guys could be even moved inside in the Arden Key role, which means, you know, more versatility for those guys. Also, Kerry Hyder, just on top of that, it's just like, well, we'll just have Kerry Hyder as well. It's one of the most impressive defensive line groups I think I've seen top to bottom in a long time. And if Kamoko Ture can play up to the potential that I think a lot of people uh, see in him, including a lot of Colts insiders, you know, people that we had talked to during the season told us like, oh, Kamoko Ture's he's fantastic. Like what a great move that was, you guys getting Kamoko. So I think that the Niners have done a really good job of making sure they got all the different pieces that they need for Chris Kacarek and Gerald Tapp to put out one of the best defensive lines potentially that we've seen in the 49ers organization in a long time. And that's saying something considering we had the Justin Smith, you know, Alden Smith group. And then you had, of course, the 2019 group with Buckner, Armstead, uh, Bosa. I mean, phenomenal groups, but this could be one of the better ones. And, and not so much I'm saying top end, but mainly because of the depth. It just, this defensive line is never going to stop coming at you. It's like coming in waves. And I like that. Uh, Robert says, but Thanos says Kinlaw's a bust. Yeah, we're going to find out. You know, I mean, I think one of those things you have, when it comes to bust, I always equate bust to play on the field, right? He just, he's not good enough. He's just not getting it done. Um, Brian Bosworth, that's a bust. He's someone that just didn't get it done. Uh, He wasn't good enough. When it comes down to injuries, injuries are a different category. But at some point, a player will get given up on if they have too many injuries. So if Kinlaw can't stay healthy this year, the 49ers might start giving up on him. That's That stinks. Like We, we want this to be a really good pick, and I think Kinlaw can definitely get it done. So I'm hoping, I'm, I'm believing in him to stay healthy this year. And if he does, I think he's going to be making some plays. Uh, Paul says Kinlaw has been playing with arthritis in his knee. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 right. I mean, Ken Law has been playing with arthritis in his knee. It's a thing that he's gonna have to overcome. And you know, and he did have some procedures now to hopefully clean up some of the injuries that he's had. So I'm I'm hopeful that he's gonna be able to be able to get things done. And I th- I think Paul that you know Ken Law shows a lot of time explosion. We saw him at training camp last year. The guy's jumping around running, a uh, very, very impressive guy, very impressive athlete. You almost couldn't tell he was hurt. So I'm hoping we get a full season of Javon Kinlaw healthy, and then we'll be able to decide if that you know number uh, 14 overall pick was worth it or not. And I think it is. You know, I, I think it will be once he, if he's healthy. I think he's going to prove that he's worth it. The question is though, it's a big if. Will he be healthy? Uh, Marvin Rose says Justin was an animal. Yeah, Justin was an absolute animal. You're you're right. Uh, that is one thing. Justin Smith was by far. And I, there's a lot of people that really enjoy Alden Smith, but Justin Smith was my favorite defensive line on that group. 
he was absolutely fantastic. I always enjoyed watching him. And um, so Justin Smith is is somebody that I hold dear to me because uh, he was a big time player. And some of the things he did, a sack while going through someone um, reaching over the top is awesome. Ken, uh, Lou says Kinlaw is a huge monster. If he can get a good push and stay healthy, he will free up others. I'm excited about the D-line. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you uh, completely there, Lou. You're exactly right. Uh, BB50 says, Ant, I haven't heard much of Hassan Ridgeway. Can you provide some updates on him? Yeah, Ridgeway's going out there and competing. I mean, Ridgeway is working hard. Everyone uh, likes Ridgeway. And I think that Ridgeway right now is flying under the radar because there's all the conversations about Kinlaw and about these edge rushers and about D Ford. But when it comes down to it, once we get into preseason and training camp, I think you're going to hear start hearing a lot about Ridgeway's play. The guy is very good against the run. I think he's going to be able to do a good job there. And I know there's been some questions. Some people feel like maybe he's not a guy that can play the one tech or play the nose tackle position. I think he can. I think he'll be uh, perfectly fine. And what's up, Cyrus? How's it going? Welcome to chat. So I think that right now we just got to give it a little bit of time for Ridgeway. And then I think he'll start to get on people's radars. But the conversation with the 49ers besides Kinlaw and Armstead, no one talks about the interior defensive line. Nobody. They don't talk about Kevin Givens. You know, they just don't talk about these guys. Maurice Hurst doesn't have that much conversation about him. It's the outside guys. And then, of course, Kinlaw, uh, because, you know, he hasn't got on the field and he was a first-round pick. So I, I think that right now those are the conversations that are going on. But at some point, Ridgeway will get on people's uh, radars. And uh, then at that point, everyone's going to see, you know, who he is. So I'm I'm excited about that. I'm excited about it. Uh, Robert says, I, I agree. I think Kinlaw will prove it this year. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm hoping. I'm I'm pulling for him for sure. I think Kinlaw's a, a good dude. He works really hard. You know, and you see the body transformation. If you look at him now compared to when he came in the league, uh, he's he's more muscular as far, and he was already crazy muscular, but he's he's more slim, muscular. I mean, he he looks a lot more chiseled. So Kinlaw's done a very good job of working on his body and getting his body right. I think he's going to do everything he can to get on the field and help produce for his football team. And so I'm I'm still excited about Kinlaw. And I think a lot of what's going to help Kinlaw as well is Armstead being inside next to him. Kinlaw's never played. I mean, I love DJ Jones. DJ Jones is a very good player. But DJ Jones is not Eric Armstead. Armstead is a different level player. And he's and now with Kinlaw moving to the one, you know, to the to the nose tackle position. Uh, his matchups are going to be a little bit different. If they do like they did last year, and even on early downs where they're passing, if they go ahead and and slide that protection towards Armstead and Bosa when they put those two on the same side, that's going to give Kinlaw one-on-one situations. That will be a problem for most guards in this league. I think Kinlaw will be able to get after it in that way, and he still has the athleticism to be able to run stunts with Samson Ebicom on the outside, you know, TE stunts and things like that. So I think Kinlaw is going to have some ability to get after the passer on first and second down, but really his role is changing to be a guy that is a stopgap for this run game. And him and Armstead working together should be a nice tandem. I'm curious to see how it works. Uh, Lou says, some talented D lineman is not making this team. What a great problem. Yeah, exactly. And we'll see what happens at what point the 49ers decide to go ahead and pull the trigger on some trades. You would think somebody's going to call about one of these players that's, you know, not going to make the team that really should make the team and would make pretty much anybody else's defensive line group. They're going to probably keep 11 guys. You know, and I've, I've seen conversations where I think even Eric branch from the San Francisco Chronicle had the Niners keeping 12 defensive linemen. I think that can't be done. I think it needs to be 11 because they need to keep nine offensive linemen, but they can shave off one spot for sure at the receiver spot. 
we'll see if they find any other spots to shave anything. I just don't think they can. They'll need to keep six corners, you know, four safeties. Uh, so I think in the long run, it ends up being that they keep 11 defensive linemen. And that's sure a lot of defensive linemen. Uh, Robert says, any guesses on the number of sacks the D-line will have this year? Well, I think that right away, because I think that Bosa could have a 23-sack year, I'm going to go ahead and say that anywhere from 45 to 50 is where I'd put it at. I would love to see them get even more than that, and I think they have the potential to get more than that. Um, but every single team suffers these short droughts where they're not able to get after the quarterback, or maybe they're playing a quarterback that gets the ball out a little bit quicker. So I think they're going to run into a couple of those games. But I wouldn't be shocked if it's not 45 or 50 sacks for this D-line. And I would love if it is even more. But I think that's kind of a realistic number. I know they've hit in, 40, in the 40s in, in 2019 and in 2021. So I think getting to 45 or 50 is realistic. Uh, Brad says, if Kinlaw's out there tr in training camp doing individual drills, we know he's ready to go. Yeah, exactly. If he's not on the side field like he was last year and he's out there and he's competing, he's getting after that bag. Uh, then we know that he's going to be ready to go. And I'm excited about his potential. And I think Kacerik is too. Kacerik spent all of 2020, which was Kinlaw's rookie year, getting him to play with a low pad level. He had him hitting the bag over and over and over. And a lot of people were criticizing that and saying that that's all he could do was just work on that. Well, what it was was working on pad level. That, that's what it was about. He wanted to get his pad level down because Kinlaw's such a big guy. He needed to be able to you know, play at that lower level. And that's what he does with every single one of these uh, defensive linemen. He first works on their pad level, getting off the ball quickly. If they get off and they're getting off low, they have a better chance to win. Leverage-wise, that helps you a lot. So that is one thing he tried to do with Kinlaw, a big, tall guy, getting his pad level low. So that way he can go ahead and not just be a good bull rusher, but also be a guy that's quick off the ball that can make plays in the backfield, a penetrator. And that's what Chris Kacerik's defensive line is built on, is penetration. They want to get after, they want to get behind the line of scrimmage, locate the ball, and they get down the line of scrimmage and make the play. And if it's the quarterback that has it, get after him and, and you know get him to the ground. So... I, I think it fits what Kinlaw wants to do. I'm curious what Kinlaw is going to look like in the nose tackle position opposite of Armstead because that's different than what he's done in the NFL so far, but not different than what he did when he played at South Carolina. The only questions were, was that his natural position? I think most thought he was a three-tech in the NFL, but I think that you know now we're seeing that potentially he's going to be the guy that plays the nose tackle position in the NFL. Uh, BV50 says, Ant, do you think this is the year that Bosa wins defensive uh, player of the year? I think it could be. Yeah, I really do. I think he's going to get a lot of attention, but I think that at some point during this year, they're going to have to play it straight because these other guys are just going to absolutely win against this one-on-one -on -one, you know, type system that they're going with because they want to slide protection to Armstead and to Bosa and free up Ebucom and these other guys. But the 49ers have so many weapons. When you get into the third and fourth quarter, these defensive edge rushers are going to be beating the offensive linemen who have been playing every single snap off the ball. And I think at that point, you have to play it more straight. Maybe you have to send a running back, you know, to help pick up somebody on the other side from Bosa and Bosa wins. So I'm looking forward to Bosa getting out there and dominating because he influences the game, whether he gets a sack or not. That's one thing I do wish that the voters would realize is when you're watching a game, the impact that a player makes, even when they're not actually making the physical play, but that they're causing the play to happen a certain way. 
that's the same thing that happened to Fred Warner last year. Everyone was really down on Fred Warner, and his his stats didn't show that he was an all-pro. He didn't look like he was the same guy, but he was playing out of position, doing things that the 49ers defense needed him to do to try to win and bridge the gap until they could get when Alshair was out, get Alshair back, but mainly when Drake Greenlaw was out. So he was doing whatever he could, and it, you could tell. I mean, he, Fred is one of those guys that's really good and really versatile, but you could tell he looked at times uncomfortable with his role because of what was different than normal. Uh, once they put Armstead inside, that helped. That helped keep offensive linemen off of Fred. And then when they got you know Aziz back and ultimately uh, Greenlaw, you've seen Fred Warner look like the all-pro um middle linebacker he is because every time you have a really good player next to you it makes it a little bit easier so yeah i do think bosa could potentially have a defensive uh you know player of the year award and i would love that i think he's deserving and so far he hasn't got all the accolades that i believe he should get last year he got absolutely snubbed uh paul says double team bosa check double team armstead check double team kinlaw check that means ebicom is, is is has a free shot yeah exactly and all the while, if if D'Amico Ryans knows that you're going to do this and he knows how you're shifting your protections, he can bring somebody on a blitz, whether that's a linebacker. And we know all three linebackers for the 49ers are fantastic blitzers, or if that's the nickel corner. K1 Williams was absolutely brilliant at it. I think that they have cornerbacks that are going to be good at it. Even Dante Johnson's not bad at it. So I think that you, you start to put yourself in some risky situations. When you have offensive linemen that have to double, you're going to create lanes and blitz lanes for these guys to be able to get downhill and make plays on the in the backfield. That's not good for the offense. Anytime you're committing more than one guy, you're leaving another place vulnerable to somebody getting after you. So that's the part of the game that I love, the chess matchup. You know, I'm going to move this guy here. He's going to block. Okay, well, that's great because I'm going to do this. Uh, and I think that's one of the things D'Amico Ryans does at a high level. X's and O's wise, uh, he's superb. He likes to get his players in situations to make big-time plays. And I think that aggressive style is going to pay dividends this year. I look forward to seeing the 40-yards create more turnovers. I think having playmakers on the field is going to help. And having a healthy linebacker core with hopefully Kinlaw and Armstead on the interior mean the run game is going to be stout. They're going to be able to stop the run game, and that's going to create opportunities for the 49ers to take chances on the back end. You add in Charverius Ward, and all of a sudden you got the makings of a top-five defense in the league. Brad Jones says, Bosa, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Kinlaw, uh, Comeback Player of the Year, and uh, Drake, Defensive Rookie of the Year, wouldn't mind that. I would love that, Brad. I would absolutely love that. If that happens... Your belief, right, is that the 49ers not only had more than the 50 sacks that I said, uh, but the 49ers played, you know, in the Super Bowl, hopefully won the Super Bowl, because that would be an impressive defensive performance. And that kind of defense for defensive performance makes it a lot easier on your offense. It makes it a lot easier on Trey Lance. So I would love to see that. That would be something that would be great. I don't know exactly what role we're going to see from, from Drake right now. Uh, I'm curious, is he going to be a situational pass rusher? That's my belief. I think he's got some skills there. I wonder how much he'll be able to hold up on early downs, first and second. You know, is he a three-down defensive end? Is he going to be able to set the edge and stop the run? Those are things that I'm still curious about. Now, I don't question his athletic ability. I don't question his ability to bend the corner after what you know, uh, Nick Bosa said about him that he's got a natural bend. I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Bosa's word for it. Bosa is one of the best to do it. And he breaks down the game and the edge rushers more than anyone uh, probably that does it. So 
I think that right now I'm very excited about Drake's potential, but I don't know what role is going to be there. And I think the 49ers are trying to figure out some of the roles uh, for these players, and they have so many really good ones. All they did was add a great one in Drake, and I'm curious to see what ends up happening and whether you know he ends up ascending to that, like you're saying, defensive rookie of the year, or if he's more of a situational, we see him a couple times. Uh, BB50 says, do you think the Aaron Donald contract makes getting Bosa's contract more difficult? I, I think it doesn't make it more difficult, but it makes it more expensive. Because I always think that the framework of the contract was going to be you know, pretty close and equivalent to some of the big-time edge rush contracts that have came. Aaron Donald, as an interior guy, uh, would normally flip this market upside on his head, but he's not a normal inside guy. So it's not going to throw things off too much as far as that goes. But what I do think is it did push the total amount of money of Bosa's contract up. Because if an interior defensive lineman is making $95 million over three years, that Bosa's got to be making more than that. I fully expect Bosa to get somewhere in the neighborhood of $35 million. I know that sounds crazy because right now we've been talking 30 but I think that's the kind of jump with all the TV money that's happening, that that's the kind of jump that's going to happen for an edge rusher. And I think the way the 40-yards could get some of that down is to go ahead and give him more guaranteed money um, than they really want to. The 49ers don't like locking in a lot of guaranteed money. They're probably going to have to do it to Debo to a point. They're probably going to have to do it to Nick Bosa as well. So it's going to be a hefty sum. The 49ers are going to pay out the Yahoo but they do want to lock up Bosa and make sure that you have him because he's one of those guys that's a franchise player. You don't want to lose that uh, on your team for sure. Uh, Brad says, I just have a feeling and this defense is going for the special year. Same feeling I had before 2019 and the whole team was going to be good. And I had a feeling about 20, I had a bad feeling about 2020. I love it then, Brad. Let's keep the good feelings going. Uh, you were on track in 2019. You didn't feel good about 2020. So the fact that you feel good about this now makes me feel even better than I already felt. I'm excited about this team because I see the way that John Lynch built it. You know, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have just continued to build it on brand, how they want to build the team. They're not swayed. Then they go out and they get a Charverius Ward who they feel gives them a heads up and an advantage in the back end of the defense. To me, they're just doing it and are hitting all the right strides. And we know at any moment they could free up money by moving on from one player and be able to go ahead and get players that they need. But really, that doesn't hinder them from signing guys to uh, contract extensions or bringing in a veteran if they need so or need to. And there's veterans out there right now available that can make this team potentially better if they decide to go that route. So I think that right now they're sitting in a good position. I think they're excited about the way this offseason has, has went and how this 90-man roster really looks. Uh, Marvin says, it, it always seems that sheep do not have a salary cap. Uh, the Rams certainly don't appear to have a salary cap. At some point, right, it's got to catch up with them. But we'll see. They just keep pushing it down, pushing the can down the road. I thought New Orleans had finally got caught up too, but they worked it out and ended up freeing up enough salary cap space to be in the Deshaun Watson conversation. So it, it could it's not exactly a myth, the salary cap, but definitely these capologists have figured out ways to manipulate it to be able to get the players they ultimately want and need. So we'll see what the long-term effects are. Maybe we don't know those things for sure right now. But I'm really glad we have Parag Marathi still in our organization because he's been able to work out really good contracts. And the 49ers have been uh, fiscally responsible for a couple of years now, uh, ever since John Lynch and them got here. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Paul says, I agree, Brad, but I think the, the Migos may be better defensive coordinator. Um, D'Amico may be a better defensive coordinator. Yeah, okay. D'Amico is, is a really good defensive coordinator. And I thought one of the interesting questions... Um, not so much that the question was interesting, but the response to the question was what I expected. 
was a media member of I'll just leave his name out of it, but a media member said that, you know, do you watch Robert Sala and try to get tips on what he's doing? And, you know, and, and does he have an influence on you called defense? Have you talked to him? He's like, no, I'm focused on my team and what my team does better. Uh, so I think that's one of the things that, you know, he's, he's like, you know, he wants to get better at all areas and he's not worried about Robert Sala doesn't really a system is completely different from what Sala did. There's a lot more flexibility in what, yeah, D'Amico Ryans does compared to what Robert Sala does, where he runs his base cover three. You know, so I think it is a lot different. And Pulse's aunt, who is still out there, I was mainly referring to, you know, like Jaquiski Tar, JC Treader, players like that, Deshaun uh, Jackson, the wide receiver. Those are guys that the Foreigners could call in in a heartbeat. Once again, for the last, you know, 12 years, Deshaun Watson, or I'm sorry, Deshaun Jackson has been uh, rumored to be signing with the Foreigners at some point. Uh, I just seen a post the other day. In fact, Jay Hill sent it to me where they're talking about, you know, DJX potentially coming to San Francisco. It's just something that's always rumored. And there's a lot of players like that that are still available. I'm sure there's even more if I really got into it, not to mention Julio Jones. Um, so at any point, the 49ers could reach out and bring in a guy if they felt they were an improvement over what they currently have on the roster. But I think part of what they're trying to do is if they can stay young, or if they can stay with these cheaper options, uh, that's a way to go. Uh, Brad says, yeah, I think we've been massively underrated by the national media. All they want to do is talk about Trey Lance and Debo. If they, if they look, uh, if they took uncle Urkel's glasses off, they'd realize how our team is everywhere. Yeah. The Urkel glasses. I like that, Brad. Um, the 49ers have a, the most talented roster in the NFL. Uh, I, I can feel very comfortable in saying that. And, uh, there are questions about the quarterback position because he hasn't done it. There's questions about the left guard position because he hasn't done it. There's questions of the center position because he hasn't done it. Once those questions are answered, then the 49ers will be sitting in a good situation. And that's when the national media will take notice. The national media usually comes around at about week six. Uh, that's when they come around and say, oh, hey, these, these 49ers are pretty good. Uh, the one that'll say it from the beginning is Peter Schrager, you know, over at uh, Good Morning uh, Football. I think he'll, he'll be saying it the whole time. But uh, most of the national media, they don't pay attention to the West Coast. They don't pay attention to the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan's not ultimately huge, hugely friendly with them. So, yeah, anything that they can say negative is good. And the 49ers, they definitely move the needle. Uh, they're one of those teams that moves the needle and gets people, you know, talking and gets a lot of eyes on their programs. That's why they like to talk about the Niners and not usually in a positive light because they want to get a reaction. That's what it's about right now, getting a reaction, getting people's emotions going. Because when you do, um, people are inspired to do things, comment, you know, leave uh whether it's vicious comments or whatever, they just want to get involved in it right away. It sparks an interest. So uh, that's what the national media does. That's what the media does in general, and it works for them. So uh, just just remember that when you see something in one of these clickbaity you know topics, that's what they're trying to do. Uh, David V says, love all this football talk. I'm so happy this season is almost here. Do you faithfuls love how the season lasts half a year now? Good vibes. I love it. Yeah, the season lasting so long is wonderful uh, for all the fans. I feel for the players a little bit. And unfortunately, I don't think that this is over. I think at some point it's going to go 18 games. There's been conversation already about the Super Bowl happening at the end of February at some point. That would mean the, the Super Bowl got moved back because they added an 18th game and they added an extra buy. If that happens, that's uh, that's September uh, for games starting. All and they, maybe they would start a week early. We'll see. But September game all the way till the end of February, that would be a crazy long time for a season to happen. I feel for the players, but along the way, they're going to make more money. We're going to have more football to watch. And it seems like no matter what, during the off season, 
football is always a fun conversation to have. And Paul says, isn't every player reported to come to San Francisco? Yeah, you're right, uh, especially now. I mean, ever since Kyle Shannon and John Lynch got here, this has been a place, a, a destination location that people want to be. Even though taxes and things like that are terrible, people still want to come to play in Santa Clara because they want to play for Kyle Shannon and they want to you know, be in an organization that is known for doing things right, You know, the things that Eddie DeBartolo established. So I think that that's something that everyone wants to do. Uh, Marvin says, even in the 80s, when the Niners were the best team in the, in the NFL, the national media did not believe in them. That's okay, they won. Yeah, yeah, it's always nice to prove the media wrong. The media can believe whatever they want, uh, but when it comes down to it the, it, the proof is on the field, you know, and 49ers went into a lot of games last year where they were underdogs and they came out victorious. So I don't think the Niners care about, you know, what the media says, and I'm, I'm excited about the fact that they don't. They, they got a chip on their shoulder, and I love that. Uh, Brad says, Chris Sims is talking our team up as well, just doesn't believe in Lance. Yeah, I mean, Chris Sims, you know, I like Chris Sims a lot, actually. I think he has some really good opinions. Uh, but I question it a little bit when it comes to quarterbacks. He's had some some struggles there. And uh, with Trey Lance, we'll see. You know what I mean? And and this will be an interesting one because Chris Sims and, and Kyle are such good friends. Um, one of them is all the way on one side, and one of them is all the way on the other. Uh, Paul says, that's why I'm happy you guys are, are constant, uh, constant over clicks. Thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, I told Alex a long time ago, I can't possibly do... Uh, the clickbaity stuff, you know, like we had some, we had some stuff where we would talk about players, you know, free agent players and stuff coming, but it was always, if it was actually out there already, like if it was, you know, being talked about, we weren't going to cultivate and make something happen or make something up. Uh, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like negative talk either. Like I, if, if something happens, I want to talk about it realistically. Uh, and, and that's okay. But when it, I don't want to be just, you know, harping on a, a player or a team either. It's like, no, say what actually happened and then just move on. So, yeah, that's the kind of content you can expect from us forever. Uh, that's just what we're about. And so uh, thanks, Paul. I'm, I'm glad that uh, you enjoy it because we really enjoy you as well. You're, you're a really good guy. So uh, thanks so much for that comment. Lou says the play of Banks and the center will dictate the team's success this year. That's what I see the big issue in this team getting over the finish line. It's all going to be about gel. You know what I mean? It really is. And if Banks is able to step up and be the player that he's starting to look like he is and what the, the coaches are saying, then he's going to stabilize the left side next to, to Trent Williams. And if that side is stabilized, then your focus will be on the right side. And at worst, Brunskill's the guard, right? So then the questions are center. If they're really as confident in Brendel being the guy, I'm not going to question that ability right now, but I haven't seen Brendel a lot in practice. Saw him a little bit last year at training camp. He did a pretty good job. Like he wasn't one of those guys um, that was bad. So I'm excited about the potential of the center position, but I say potential. I don't know what this year is going to look like. The reason I'm, I'm happy about the potential is let's see what Brendel does. But also we got some young guys, right? Donovan West, uh, Nick Zakel. There's guys that could potentially fill that role in the future that you can get excited about. So uh, you're right, Lou. There's there's some questions at guard. Is Banks going to be that guy? And then, of course, center position. They could shore that up in one second, of course. Um, but I think that they're going to they're gonna kind of play this thing out and see how it goes. Uh, Marvin says, Brad, uh, one need to ask Chris Sims, how many years did he play in the NFL? Maybe one. He was in the NFL for a little bit, but I, I like where you're going there. Thomas says, I know I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm beginning to feel the, feel the center. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing, right? You can, you can talk yourself into anything. You really can. Uh, one of the things is, is you take what all the coaches are saying, 
you remember that. And then when you get when you're able to watch film or watch a game on them, uh, really focus in and see how they're going to handle the position. I'm looking forward to breaking down the centers because I played center in high school. So this is something I'm very comfortable with. So being able to watch them and how they're going to be executing the offense, you know, how they're going to be out there and relating and and commenting to the rest of their team and and giving out signals uh, is going to be fun. And I'm looking forward to, to watching the center position and watching how these guys handle it. Uh, Brad says, I don't, I don't think I could have survived last season, especially those early weeks. If it wasn't for you boys in this channel. Yeah. We were out there on a limb for sure. Uh, Brad. And, and, you know, we did get a lot of pushback on it and I'm, I'm glad we just hung on. Uh, it ended up being a very good year and I'm glad the 49ers hung on as well because there were some really pivotal games that they had to win and they went out there and got it done. But you know, it was nice coming in here and, and having those, those sessions where we were talking. I mean, some days were struggles to get in here and, you know, and see it from, you know, a, a, a light that wasn't negative and a light that wasn't overly positive, but was just actually what was going on. Those were hard, but it was easy because all you guys were in there and you guys were seeing the same things we were, that it was like, Hey, we're, we're a little bit of execution away. We can get that execution figured out. It, it's going to be good. Uh, David Campbell. What's up, David? Uh, I'm glad you're in chat. It says you can take the guard position to the banks. I love that. Yeah. Last year when they drafted Aaron banks, you know, we did uh, money in the banks. We had a little funny fun with that, you know, kind of teasing the wrestling uh, money in the bank match. So I, I do like that a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking he's looking pretty good. I mean, I just saw a little clip of him at film, uh, a film of him. So I want to see his lateral movement and how much it improved from last year. But if it improved at the, the rate that Forrester and Shanahan are, are saying it did, it, it's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, Mr. Corey says, where do you and Alex ultimately want to take the cutback crew? You know, I'm, I'm not sure, Mr. Corey, you know, I mean, I, I think we've had some conversations, you know, about the, the channel and, and everything that's going on. And I mean, we would, we, we love doing this and it's a, it's a, it's a good time for all of us interacting with all of you. And, you know, we want to see this thing keep expanding and keep growing and, you know, bring more people into the conversation and expand the community because when it comes down to it, you know, us having these conversations, I think it builds a, a fun group because now everyone can talk football, not just from, you know, a fan perspective, but also see a coaching perspective as well. And I, I think that that's something that sometimes you know, can go miss because we get passionate about what we see on the field and maybe we miss something. And so I think it's fun to kind of talk about that. So, I mean, I think we have some ideas. Uh, we're still formulating some of those things, uh, Mr. Corey, but uh, really think that, you know, that we're looking to continue to expand as we move forward. And uh, the, the fun part is going to be when we get into the season, the season content, uh, we pump it out in a high level and, I'm looking forward to, you know, interacting with everyone that's here in chat and everyone in the future. Um, and let's see, uh, Marvin says the Niners by midseason will be a juggernaut. I'm, I'm with you on that. And thank you so much uh, for the super chat from my mom. Yeah, Sherry Robertson with the 1999 super chat. I really appreciate you saying thank you for the updates. Uh, so so thanks so much. I really appreciate that, mom. Uh, gotta love when, when the family comes through and, and drops a super chat. So thanks so much. I really appreciate that. And then um, big, uh, Paul says uh, TCC equals training camp cutback convoy. Yeah, I think it's going to. I really do. I, I mean, I, I know I plan on getting out there for training camp. And, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you guys know, like, you know, when they officially announce it, like what days I plan on being out there and everything like that. If anyone wants to come through and, you know, we can all uh, hang out out there and, and watch the game together. And I think it'll be a lot of fun, watch practices and stuff. And they do an open practice too at Levi Stadium. We went last year. That was a lot of fun as well. And um, it's it's not overly expensive. So it's something that is, you know, reasonably affordable that people can do. 
So that would be a lot of fun. And I would, I'd love to see everyone out there interacting as well as I'm watching. And, you know, we could talk some ball. I, I really would like that. I'd be able to talk it and break it down as we're watching it. Uh, that would be fun. Thomas says, is Burford a reasonable possible option at right tackle for the future? Yeah, I think he is. I, I think Burford could be a right tackle, you know, in the NFL and a, and potentially a replacement for Mike McGlinchey if that's what happened. So I'd, I'd be okay with that. And he's somebody to watch. Now we know right now they've moved him to the interior. He's playing the offensive guard spot. Uh, we'll see what happens, you know, with his development. If they end up moving him back outside, that would be easy. The fact that they're keeping him on the right side, it, it means that, you know, they're they're getting him used to playing that side. We saw Chris Forrester do this a little bit with other offensive linemen last year. He kind of went with left and right. Guys that were getting used to playing with their right foot back or their right hand down and then being able to operate off of that. So um, I'm excited about Burford's potential. He's one of the players that I like the most in this draft. I think it's funny because I like a lot of the players, including Danny Gray, uh, but I get really excited about Spencer Burford and about Nick Sakel. It could be the offensive line mentality in me and the run blocking mentality in me, but I like the aggressiveness and the way they like to get after it. Mr. Corey says, I played defensive tackle in high school, so we could have been across from each other. Yeah, see, there you go. Mr. Corey, it could have been going, lining up and, and getting after it. Uh, against me and uh, I wonder what kind of moves Mr. Corey was going to use was he going to try to just drive me straight back I don't know all I know is I would have been trying to get my hands on you on your chest plate really quick Mr. Corey and I had this famous move where I would throw a nice forearm because uh, nothing stops the defender faster than a forearm across the chin that really does work uh, you know hey it works right I mean I might have been a little beat up after games but you got to do what you got to do to make the make the blocks uh, so that was a lot of fun. So well done, Mr. Corey, playing uh, defensive tackle in high school. That's that's good stuff. I like that. Uh, Brad says, okay, definitely believing in this season. Adam Rank just uh, had us go 9-8 and eight and losing to the Bears in week one. Same Adam Rank who tipped us to go 3-13 and 13 in the Super Bowl. That is fantastic news. Thank you, Adam Rank. Uh, once again, just doing good things for the 49ers. So I really like that. I'm feeling good about it as well. So thanks, Brad, for telling me because now I definitely will sleep good tonight knowing I believe the 49ers are not only going to defeat uh, the Green or the the Bears in a big way, uh, but they're going to win a lot of football games. So anyone that had it close to nine and eight, which was Grant Cohn, right, David Lombardi, uh, feel good about yourself because you just ranked the four years ago the same record as Adam Rank. Ouch, just big ouch. So uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm I'm okay with that. I think I I mean I think they're going to win a few more games than that, and I think the Niners have a lot more potential than that. So uh, Adam Rank, thank you for that. I think we all feel better now, every single one of us. Uh, so now we're so KNDR says, Did you watch Hell in a Cell? What did you think of Cody's Peck? Uh, yes, I did watch Hell in a Cell. I actually took time to watch it. It's been a little bit of a struggle with my current schedule to watch, you know, anything on TV at all, let alone professional wrestling. But I did watch Hell in a Cell. I took advantage of that time and just kind of chilled out and, rela and relaxed and watched it. And Cody's Peck was absolutely gnarly. Uh, torn pecs are no joke. Uh, if you've seen a torn peck in person, it's gross. And then it swells up and it just turns all kinds of different colors. It is rough. So, yeah, that was nasty. And now you can think about that anytime an NFL player, uh, you know, tears a peck or something, that's what it looked like. So when J.J. Watt had that injury, that was the gnarly nature of what it looked like. It's it's just gross. Um, and, and these, you know, I mean, athletes suffer some some pretty tough injuries. So, yeah, that, that was big. And, uh, you know, this has been an absolutely exciting episode. I'm going to leave it open for a little bit longer for everyone that has questions. If you have any questions you want to sneak in under the under the time slot, go ahead and do that now. Um, we've got almost a full family reunion going on in chat right now as everyone's having a nice conversation. Uh, so go ahead and join in on that. Uh, and Thomas is checking out. Yeah, have a good night, Thomas. 
Um, so yeah, if you guys got anything, throw it my way. If not, you know, that's cool. We talked about pretty much every topic I wanted to go over as we're working towards, you know, getting to the 49ers training camp, which is going to be a lot of a lot of fun. I'm really excited about training camp. I'm excited to see some of these young guys be able to go out there and perform. And I think everyone else is too. So Santa Clara is going to be a lot of fun. But now we have 51 days to wait. We have some time until this is going to happen, but we're not going to be done. We're not going to be short on content. We have a lot of things that are going to be coming your way all throughout the summer. So be on the lookout for that. Also, if you haven't already been over on Patreon, uh, you can go check that out. We have new episodes that just went up this week of Slightly Offsides. Uh, we did our first live show of Slightly Offsides, and that is available for all, everyone on Patreon and channel members. And also today, a very new episode of Hit or Miss just went live uh, today. So go check those things out if you have those. If not, that's cool too. Make sure you're here on YouTube all throughout the offseason. We're going to have a lot of good content. And if you have anything you want us to talk about or anything you want us to do a video on, you are, you know, you can reach out to us, uh, find us on socials, uh, send us an email. Everything's in the description section and let us know what you want us to talk about. And we'll have a nice conversation about it. Uh, Robert says, who has more impact, Kittle or Debo? I think it's I, I think it's going to be Debo Samuel for the mere reason of Debo Samuel is a guy that can influence the game without the ball in his hand. Now, we know that. George Kittle is going to help with the blocking area. He's going to help in the receiving area. But when it comes down to it, you can motion Debo's, Debo to the other side of the field and get 11 eyes on him. That's something you can't do with George Kittle. I think George Kittle will influence a lot of a lot of players, uh, but I think that Debo Samuel just has a little bit more influence, and the way that Kyle Shannon is able to use him is just a little bit different. But I think both of them are going to be big-time players uh, for the 49ers this year. Uh, loses Ant, your knowledge and experience to break down players is, is really impressive. You must spend a lot of time to make this happen. Thanks. Yeah, you know, I really appreciate that, Lou. And, and when it comes down to it, a lot of that comes from my experience. My dad was a coach, and he kind of just directed me in that path, and I became, I got found a love for coaching. And so I just went to every single clinic I could go to. Oh, they're going to have a clinic in San Francisco. I'm going to be there. I'm going to listen to the, the high school coaches, the college coaches, the NFL coaches. I would go to L.A., you know, and, and listen to John Robinson and and all those guys down there. I've, I've heard, you know, so many of these different coaches uh, from Mike Singletary to Bill Walsh to, you know, whoever else. Uh, and it was just like learning as much as you can from every single one of these guys. And then along the way, you just pick up some stuff, you know, through the through coaching. So uh, it's been a lot of fun and I really enjoy it. And uh, this is kind of my passion is being able to talk about football and talking about players. Uh, so I really enjoy it. And yeah, sometimes uh, I wondered this year, especially, I really did wonder how I was going to be able to break down all of the college players. Last year we did, and we worked at a hard le a high level. And this year I looked at it and it just seemed so daunting. And then all of a sudden it was in, and it was like, oh, like, okay, it, it went a lot better than uh, than I thought. So it's a it's a lot to undertake, but it's when it's a passion and it's fun, I, I really enjoy it. So uh, thanks so much, Lou. I really appreciate that. Uh, Brad says, no actual 49ers content for the next 51 days. Crazy takes are about to go into overdrive. Yeah, no crazy takes from us. We're going to be evaluating the team still. We're going to be talking about some of the things that are going to be coming up and also going over training camp battles. So those things will be coming up, of course. Uh, so uh, don't worry about that. And then when we get into training camp, we'll do actual training camp about practice. I'm going to go out there and watch it. And we're going to have conversations about it and all that. So uh, yeah, it's it's. don't worry about that from us. It, there will be crazy takes from all over the place. But we're going to try to keep it, you know, 49er centric and talking about, you know, what things we've noticed about the team and breaking down this team. Um, so, yeah, don't don't worry about that. We're not going to go to crazy town bonkersville, as Alex would say. Uh, we're just going to we're going to keep this thing down the middle. 
Uh, Paul says, you should have your dad on sometime. He's a good guy. Yeah, you know what? Uh, that would be fun. That'd be fun to have um, have uh, my, my dad on. You know, that'd be a lot of fun. Maybe we'll do something sometime. I can twist his arm and get him on here, and, and we can have a, a nice conversation. A guy that uh, did a lot of, you know, a lot of football in his time, too. You know, he coached for over 30 years, so he has some football knowledge. He's been watching the Niners. He's been a Niners fan forever, so... Yeah, Paul, I think that would be a good one. We'll have to we'll have to try to twist his arm and get on here. And now that you brought that up, I think that gives me a little bit more leverage to get it done, right? So uh, thanks so much for that. And I really do appreciate everyone for coming through, Chad. This was a great conversation. I hope everyone enjoys a, a great Thursday night and get a kickstart on their weekend. Uh, happy Friday to everyone tomorrow. Have a good day. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this 49ers offseason. And thank you guys so much. I'll see you guys on the next one. Lou is saying... July 29th is the day. But remember, everyone, stay safe. And remember, the right way is always the 49ers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.